more. I thought that was wonderful. At the same time, it was very hard because you're sitting here almost 40 years old and you're going to live with mommy and daddy. You know, never had ever in my life suicidal thoughts. I couldn't understand how anybody could get to that place until you get to the point when you feel totally hopeless. And that's where I was. Hello, I'm Danny. And I'm Tom. This is Brave Conversations. Get ready to hear compelling and raw stories of people brave enough to share their struggles and how they emerge stronger from them. We pray that their stories will give you practical and spiritual insights to help you navigate through your own brave conversations in life. As a reminder, some of the conversations here may be around sensitive topics, so listen at your own discretion. Everybody has a story. Your story matters. Emerge stronger. Oh my gosh, the man voice himself, Tom Mann, is actually joining us on the podcast today. Uh, welcome, Tom. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we we are wow. in different places, which is kind of bizarre. It I'm, is bizarre, but yeah. um, what a wonderful thing technology is, especially with someone as great a story as what you have. So, Tom, I mean, we met a few years back working for the same television network, but in different locations in the world, of course, because you're in the U.S., <laughs> Um, but little did we know that um, God would bring us to this place on this very day uh, to be able to to work together and just incredible. It's exciting and, and it's nice to be able to do that. And, and we have so many parallels with our lives because yeah. we work for the same network at the same time. Uh, we both do radio and um, yeah. it's just kind of unique. So yeah, it's, it's it good really to be is. here, it really is. Yeah, and certainly great to have you on the podcast today. Um, but Tom, you know, you've had an incredible career, uh, worked for a number of networks uh, across the United States. Uh, you've worked in radio uh, since you left high school, before you graduated high school. So you've got a really extensive career working in both uh, television, in local and national networks, and of course, many years in broadcasting, uh, among many other things. Boy, oh boy, I think uh, if we had your CV read out, we'd probably be here for another hour in itself. Um, so you certainly bring a wealth of experience, but um, your journey hasn't been without challenge. No, no. One thing, I need to get a real job. That's the first thing. So that's that's kind of the way I'd look at it. So. <laughs> Didn't that old song say, uh, get a haircut and get a real job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're looking fine, mate. Yeah. And uh, wow. So awesome. So you are married to Vicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just so funny and such a delight. Oh, she's hilarious. She's fun and she has made things very fun for me. That's the word. I, I if anybody asks about my wife, she keeps me entertained and I really appreciate that because I need that. And uh, the other thing, she's incredibly encouraging and she encourages me to to be creative and to do the things that I do. And I think that's that's a unique quality. To have some that one that would do that, and and it 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 came about kind of uniquely. I know we'll get into that in a few minutes. How I met yeah. her. So anyway, yeah, I'm rambling. Go ahead, ask me more. And pe- people will understand <laughs> so much more why um, you appreciate Vicky so much uh, in a moment when we get into the story. Um, you grew up in a wonderful Christian home. Um, with your brother and, of course, your mom and dad, started your career two weeks out of high school before college. Uh, You got married, had two kids, everything was successful. Life was doing great. And then uh, it took a pretty dramatic turn. Yeah, big turn. And and to to just elaborate on that part of it, um, life kind of came very easy. 
Uh, everything was easy to jobs and to make money to um, it, it, life was great. It was one of those things, you know, here in the States, we call it the American dream. Um, yeah. You live it, you, you do very well. Um, I, like I said, a Christian home. I went to like 12 years of a Christian school. Um, everything you could think of. Uh, you know, if I go back and talk about my faith, I came to know Christ at the age of 12, knew that I knew that I knew all these other things. And, um, you know, never really had any bumps in the road, little things, but not anything big. And then all of a sudden, 17 years into marriage, my first wife, um, we go to dinner, which we did once a week. We had some businesses and and things like that. And I would take one evening where we'd go to dinner and I remember she was sitting across the table from me, and she just looked at me and said, um, I don't want to be married anymore. And, of course, I laughed. I thought it was funny. I, I, well. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I never really even understood that or took it almost serious at the moment because I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? It, it was so foreign to me to have that thought. I thought she was literally joking. And she said, no, I just don't want to be married anymore. And I knew I, I'd found out later some things were just going on with her and I, and just kind of like something snapped. And, you know, we've had we had ups and downs with business and things with finances and things like I think that everybody does, you know, and um, it, it was just really a shock for me. I, di I didn't know what to even do with that. And then within two weeks, she left and originally kind of the kids were taken away. Uh, she left and with them, I remember everything was gone. I, I went to work one night and late and she encouraged me to go to work. When I came home, everything was gone. Um, all of her clothes, some of the kids' clothes and they had left and gone to my in-laws and it was really lonely. I, I was just, at that point, I realized what happened. I remember calling some people and, and saying, you know, hey, she left and they were kind of surprised. And it was just one of those, it was a shock. I Nobody in my family had ever had a divorce or anything like that. At this point, she just left. And it was a. It was about a year. I, I waited and waited and waited for her to come back. And at one point, I thought she would. And then started getting served legal papers and things that there was going to be a divorce and separation, all these other things. And being told when I could see my kids, when, when I couldn't. And then, you know, they would come. It was really weird. They would come stay with me several nights out of the week. Mm. So I can't really, it's like they were here, but they weren't. And then she said she wanted to do her own thing, have her own fun. And she was going through some things, which I didn't realize at the time. And um, yeah. so it just floored me and devastated me. And some things happened with us that wound up, I wound up losing all of my businesses at the time. So wow. I lost everything I had. And within, literally within a year, uh, no house, no anything. I was bankrupt, divorced. I was going back to work. And I, I remember I called up a television station I'd been, I'd been doing work for. They'd call me to do things. And um, I wound up um, working for them. And they were like, you know, what do you need a job for? And that was kind of the thing. And... Um, all the legal stuff. I wound up getting sued multiple times by clients because I fell behind. I'd lost all of my equipment. I fell behind on work and I wound up in the court. I wound up on television and being accused of doing services or taking money and not providing services, basically stealing from people. 
and it wasn't true. It took a couple months, but it was all dropped in a court. But I went through these lawsuits, and it took me to the point that I got where I couldn't do my job. I couldn't, I couldn't edit. I couldn't think. I couldn't. It just took me down to almost nothing, and and I got to the point where I decided I was just going to end my life, and I was planning to do that, and and more than once. It was just, um, you know, you you go from having everything mm. and being in control, if that's the word, and having a, a, what you would call a successful life, and and a successful marriage. I mean. It was great. I mean, and its ups and downs, like every couple does. But you know, even at this point, I look back, and there were wonderful moments in time. And you know, my big thing was I was the one. I remember going in every night, and I would pray with the kids and read them their stories and things like that. And that was really hard for me because they would leave, and it was the loneliest mm-hmm. moments. And that's when I really had to deal with a lot of. Um, loneliness, depression, and it was almost like for about a year, I, I just was like a recluse. I just um, was staying at the house until I had the house, and then I had to move in with my parents. Wow. And, so I'd imagine in that, too, I mean, not even really, in, you know, apart from some normal ups and downs, not really even seeing that coming. No. Um, to going and being, you know, totally on your own. I mean, not only is that massive change, but then – you know, to not be able to make sense of it, um, that's tough. Yeah, I, I, I could even imagine it happening. And I remember... Did it feel like punishment a bit, Tom, going through all of that? Yeah, I did. But, but I didn't know what I did. I mean, that's a weird thing, being punished, but you felt, I felt that way. And, um, you know, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't even... I just, it was so far from my thinking that I, I didn't know know what to do with it. I didn't know how to handle the emotions of it. Um, and then all of a sudden, everything that you, you know, I know men, we find our self-worth a lot in what we work and who we are and those kinds of things. And that shouldn't be where we find all of our self-worth because mm-hmm. that can always fade away. But I found that out. Um, after years of not ever worrying or having to Think you know some people think well I wish I would have done this I, I did some incredible things and it was all gone so everything I did was gone everything was stripped away mm. and there I was and um, I think what one of the big points when it really hit me was on more than one occasion I remember one occasion uh, my kids had left and they'd been there all weekend long and it was Sunday nights mm. those were the hardest ones and they would leave go back to stay with their mother. And I remember that one of those evenings, I remember just literally just weeping, just, just, if the word's weeping, I never just, just totally in tears and laying on the bed. And I, w- I decided I was going to end my life and I um, was going to get a gun, do all these other things. I had it planned out and I wanted to be sure nobody found me. And um, at that very moment, I just felt hopeless. And I remember I shut my bedroom door and when I did, there were two notes sitting on the door, and one of them was from my son. He was about, I guess, nine years old at the time. My daughter was close mm-hmm. to 12 or 13, and he wrote a note, and he said, Dad, I love you. And then the other one was from my daughter and says, said, you mean so much to me. And these are the notes from these kids. And wow. it stopped me in my tracks, and I stopped thinking, 
But then I had some other things that happened a week or two later, and then I was back there in the same place again. And I was planning that day to do something. And I remember that morning, my father walked into my house, just popped into the house. He didn't ever rarely ever did that, but he showed up. He looked at me. He he just looked at me. And he said these words. He says, you're not trying to hurt yourself, are you? I didn't, out of the blue, he walked into the house. I remember let him in and he said, I hope you're not trying to hurt yourself. And I didn't want to answer him. I couldn't answer him, but I was. And uh, he looked at me and he said, listen, because I was, that's when I found out I was going to lose my house and everything. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he just said, um, you know, all these things are just things. And you got two kids that really love you and they need their daddy. So, you know, you can let those things go. Why don't you come live with your mother and I? And of course, I thought that was wonderful. At the same time, it was very hard because you're sitting here almost 40 years old and you're going to live with mommy and daddy. You know, that was hard as a man. But then again, I had nothing. I mean, I'd gotten to the point with nothing. And um, that was a blessing. But that stopped me from actually doing what I was planning on doing. And that was, you know, Mm. never had ever in my life suicidal thoughts. Never, ever. And I I couldn't understand how anybody could get to that place until you get to the point when you feel totally hopeless. And that's Mm. where I was. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing, isn't it, Tom, when you, you know, you maybe have those thoughts your whole life of, Mm -hmm. you know, how can anyone do that? But the truth is that until you walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you can't really understand it. You don't get it. And it's so important that we don't judge people because, you know, we may just find ourselves in someone else's situation at some point. Yeah. I I used to be the judger, I would say, back in the day. I, yeah. I wouldn't say it, but I would think it like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, life is, you know, so there's Pull a lot together, of truth. In, oh, get yeah, over it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, are, are you kidding me? Is your faith that little? Uh, you know, uh, that would be me. A uh, little side story just to tell you that um, I never forgot this. A year before my marriage had come to an end, I had a friend of mine that called me and a very good friend, and he basically had had an affair. And his fa- his his marriage was calling falling apart, and I talked with his wife and him, and I remember coming home looking at my wife and saying, you know, I don't know how he could be so stupid. What's wrong with him? That would never, ever happen with me, and and I can't believe that they're just going to let their marriage fall apart. And I had these judgmental thinking attitudes about yeah. what had happened. And I, the other thing is, is I couldn't believe he did what he did. You know, I honestly, I never, never did anything like that. But here I was a year later, and I wasn't married either. It was, it was really bizarre. And my thing was. You know, what did I deserve to get this? I was almost like God with my fingers in the air. What did I deserve or what did I do to have this happen to me? Were you angry with God, Tom? Oh, yeah. I was for a while there. Um, and then the, the other, the hard part for me, too, was I grew up almost thinking that if you got divorced, you couldn't serve in the church or do anything anymore. It's over with for you. And I was actively involved. I was in leadership. I remember I was uh, teaching, was it young marrieds? I was teaching e- even the seniors at the church and things like that. And I was very active involved. And I had to step down from those positions. And 
I remember a past, the pastor I had, just a wonderful guy, and was a good friend. He was about the same age as me. And he, he called me in one day, and he said, listen, I think you need to go to another church. And I'm like, what? And, you know, I've got to put this in context. It's the fact that yeah. he said, you know, people have been talking here. They said, there's no way your wife would have left you unless you were having an affair or something like that. And I said, are you kidding me? He said, I know it's not true. I know what went on and what's going on. And I've been trying to contact, you know, that time my ex-wife for, you know, months, and she won't even respond to me. And, um, that was really hard. I did go to another church because of that, but it was very hard. And I got where I was angry, and I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. want to participate in anything anymore. It's almost yeah. like, forget it. God, you're going to have to step in and come down to tell me something for me to believe it anymore. That's the way I got. It was really hard. Because wow. like the reality is, within a matter of weeks, you're stripped of your marriage, yeah. your kids, oh, yeah. your businesses, and then your church family on top of it. Yeah. And it was very hard. And, uh, but anyway, his advice was actually very good. He, he explained, he said, I'm taking care of this situation, but for your sake, I think you need to right now, you need to be ministered to. And that was the point. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I went to a church at the time for a short time with a guy I knew very well, Dana Key of the group, DeGarmo and Key. He was a pastor at the time. He's passed away since then, but it was kind of neat. And Dana became my pastor. We had some great conversations. He helped me walk through that. And then I went to a counselor. And that really helped me. Um, I, I didn't want to, I didn't admit a lot of things that I was, you know, thinking about suicide and things like that. I didn't want to admit those. I just, you know, but it was very helpful for me to get that professional counseling. That was, I'd gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. My, my first pastor encouraged that and I did go get that counseling. So that mm-hmm. was good. So Tom, when you've been through a situation like that and, you know, you end up, you're living with your parents, seeing your kids, you know, a few times a week if you're lucky. Yeah. I mean, at what point do you start to trust again? At what point do you start to see and find your own identity again? At what time do you repair that relationship with God? Because, I mean, that's really full on. It was a steps at a time, baby steps. And, um, Part of that happened. I had friends, really wonderful Christian friends. I had helped in business, and they were helping me now, getting me jobs. At, at one point, I started dating someone, and I moved up to Illinois. My my parents encouraged me to start all over again. So I would drive back and forth three or four hours, a couple times a week, and get the kids and things like that. It was it, it was very hard. It was long because I had to start at the bottom. I wound up working. Uh, really interesting, just some other stories, but I wound up working at a Christian radio station in the area. First started working in TV, and I was working here minimum wage, next to nothing. I wound up working at the bottom of the TV station with the college kids, and I had like mm-hmm. 20 years of experience at that point. And here I was working like at the beginning of jobs, and then, but a Christian radio station who I still work with to this day and that's been, you know, gosh, it's been, what, 16 years now when I started working for them. Slowly, I started building back, I guess you could say, confidence. I started learning a lot of things, too. And I remember I got to the point where it's almost like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I, I got where that turned around. I met a good pastor friend, totally different in our thinking, our theology and everything. 
And um, now I'm this white guy from Memphis, Tennessee. He's this white guy from New York City. And we became really close. And he really helped me through it. He talked to me and just kind of the man-to-man thing. It's like, you know, this is what counts. This is what's important. And um, it was interesting because he um, he was very different persuasion than I was. And um, I met him. Let me just tell you this story because God started doing little yeah. miracles in my life because my thing was, God, you have to prove yourself to me. I, I literally was that way. It's like, you have to show me. You have to show up face-to-face for me for me to really start trusting and believing. And it wasn't so much I didn't believe, I just was hurt so bad. It's like I felt like life was over. So my goal was to live in a trailer out in some woods and no one bother me ever again. And I just wanted to be left alone. That's kind of where I got. And then um, uh, this pastor friend, I remember I was going to this church where this lady was dating. That was one of the requirements if we dated. I had to go to her church and and uh, that was so, so instrumental, though, and um, went there, and there was this pastor, and as somebody used to say, he's reading people's mail, and I'm like, what does that mean? Anyway, he was up there saying things to people, and I was like, okay, I'm done with this, you know? This is a little bit crazy, and I'm not used to this, and I started walking out, and I said, God, if you have something for me, he better say something because I'm going out the door, and as I was going out the door— I remember I was wearing this bright orange shirt, and he said, you and the orange, God has something for me to tell you. And I'm like, yeah, right. So I, he said, come here. And I walked down the front of this church, and he starts saying, you know, I don't know what you've been through, but God wants you to know that he has a plan of purpose for you, that you're going to be in front of the camera and behind the camera, and that you're going to do things that will be seen all over the world for him. And he went through all these little details, and 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 that I, he said, God reminded me that that it's media, that you're in the media. Yeah. This is what you're here for. What was weird, he didn't know me from Adam. He knew me not at all. And he read that. Well, we became very close after that because he asked me, what did that mean to you? One day I saw him and I told him and he said, wow. He said, you know, either God, what I'm saying to you is real or it's not. And you will know that. And so this went on for a while. And um, I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm okay, God, if you want me to be single for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, I really missed, this is kind of crazy during that time. I really missed, if, if the word is a woman's touch in your life, down to the things that are on the walls, the things that you find in the kitchen, the little things. And people would invite me over. And I remember these guys would complain about their wives cooking. And I wanted to get up and smack them and say, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I would give anything to, to for someone to even cook something for me. And I took all that for granted for all those years, you know? Let's see. And, and they're probably there going, man, I got would have got less time for murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and But I began to appreciate that. That became very important to me. And and I, that, was, that was really a unique time. But then I was kind of like, God, if you don't want me to be married, it's okay. I'll just just keep doing what I'm doing, go live in a trailer and whatever, you know, that was my goal. And um, <laughs> things started moving along. And I guess this, we get, I guess if you want to go ahead and go to the part where I kind of met my wife, um, it had been about two and a half, maybe three years after my divorce. And um, I remember I was at this church with my pastor friend. He started looking really strange again. He looked at me and he goes, looked at some lady, he said, write these things down. And he looked at me, he said, you got a wife, she's coming quickly. 
get the ring, get the house. It's white. And when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, she'll come. Well, a week later, I had just started at this Christian radio station, and I was asked yeah. to introduce a group um, up in front of the crowd. And that's the first time I had done that in almost 15 years. So one question, yeah. is this the same pastor? So this was the same pastor, and um, we become really good friends. And he told me, he said, you know, the Lord really told me this, and either what I'm saying to you is not true— and I'm false, or it is. So you you wait and see. And it wasn't a week later. Like I said, I was doing this stuff for this radio station, and I was in that concert, and I was sitting there, and I invited all these people to come from this church I was at. None of them showed up, and I was mad. I was sitting in the seat, and I was kind of grumpy. I'm like, okay, I got these tickets. These people haven't shown up. And the next thing you know, there's this lady walking down the aisle by herself, and I remember this man points right at me, and she comes over next to me, and she looks at me, and she says, would you mind if I had a seat here? And I said, well, I have some people sitting here, but you can sit here. And it was to my my left. I said, it'd be my pleasure if you came and sit here. So we sat down together, and she started talking. And she said, you know, they told me I got the last ticket in Marion, which is the town where the concert was. And she said, mm. you know, I got the last ticket in town. And so I guess, and I'm supposed to be here. And so she sat there, we started talking, comparing notes, and she had just gone through this situation of losing everything and going through a divorce and everything else. What's interesting, and I, I had prayed mm. that the woman I wanted would be somebody that could understood what I went through in the pain. And um, that was kind of my requirement, really it was. It was like, can she understand what it's like to lose she started talking about how everything had happened, and she had just been through a hurricane down in Florida and destroyed her house that she had just you know, been through this divorce, started, had a new house, destroyed her house, her business, and everything. She had to wind up, she was on the street, literally getting water and everything else. Her two daughters had were off at, in school and college, and then she just decided to move back home up here in Illinois and stay at her mom's house. So uh, that's how it began, and and within okay, here here's the the big part. Within thirty days, we were married. Wow, a month. <laughs> yeah, no, not even. No, there's a story behind it, but it is amazing. I remember she called me right after that concert. We, I, I invited her. I said, "Hey, you want to go? We went someplace to eat, and uh, uh, we were just talking, just kind of friend like." And I said, "Listen, if you ever need anything, here's my number or whatever." And we talked about three o'clock in the morning. I had to leave and go produce a television newscast for morning television that, that early that morning. But that's kind of how that worked. And we met and we just connected. And then um, she called me a few days later and said, her mom said, you're in television. Well, my mom needs you to come over and look at her VCR, you know, or her video recorder. And I'm like, I don't do that kind of TV. I'm a different <laughs> kind of TV. I don't fix things. She said, I don't know. Maybe you humor my mom. Well, then I go to that house and that house is solid white. And um, anyway, and then this thing about this ring thing, I remember we decided to get married and I thought, man, we are nuts. This is crazy. And we went, anyway, so um, her mom provided these rings and it was her dad's and it fit me perfectly and we didn't have any money. And her mom gave her her wedding ring and, and we took them, we got married and um, it was just wow. amazing. And they were fully supportive of it. Yes. Yeah. And our our kids in that time... <laughs> Met her and my 
they were just like, this is going to be my new mom. It was really interesting. And um, it all meshed. It was amazing. And there's some other funny stories with it because it was so quick. But um, it's been incredible. And God put all of that back together. And that happened so fast. And that is so not like me. I I would, nah, no, it, you know, tell me I'm going to be married in 30 days. And, but it was so amazing how God put that together. That's, that's what the deal with that was. Yeah. And everything that that pastor had said. It happened. Prophetically happened. Yeah. And that was, that was yeah. a shocker for me. In all honesty, it, it, it was. And there was more even to the details and things that he said. And, um. For me, it was it was this thing that helped me build my faith. I don't know. The story really doesn't end there. It continues on. How beautiful is that, Tom? Like even just reflecting on on the details that you've, you've just shared with us, how tangible God has been, even amongst the devastation. Oh, yeah. I mean, sending you prophetic word and just getting the right people around you, putting you in the right positions in the right places and churches at the right time, those notes on the door at the right time, your dad walking into the house at the right time. I, th- I think that's a really good lesson for us to realize that just because, you know, as far as the natural world, things seem to have been falling apart or stripped away, that God is ever present. Oh, Even yeah. when we don't feel it. So I want to hear a few more stories, Tom. Okay. Because okay. I, I don't feel like this is the, the end of the story no. just yet. You know, you I think, you know, as as believers, we we have we put God in a box. I always kept him in a box really well. And when I noticed that he would kick in one of the sides every time I did that, okay? Yeah. Finally, it's taught me a lesson that I can't keep him in a box. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't conform to my image and and what I think he should be. You know, he works this way, that way, what, and he doesn't. Um, yeah, he's consistent. Yeah, he's all these things. But that's the exciting thing for me. I've I've learned so much more, and part of it, my learning was the fact that, um, okay, so I went through this horrible divorce, and all these things happened to me. I meet my um, new wife, and that's amazing. There's so much to that story, but I learned a lot from her that I didn't know before. And during that time, though, I learned, uh, I think, more about grace, and and even from her walking her through her experience and what she went through. She has a story that's amazing. I never had any problems. I didn't get in trouble in school. Never did drugs, never did alcohol, never drank, never smoked. I mean, I'm one of these really goody two Oh, yeah. We call them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I was like in radio TV. I mean, people did drugs and things all around me. And it's like I got through that. And it was interesting. God put people in my in my paths during that time. But you know the part about that that is hard when you wind up having something happen to you. You honestly look up and say, why and what? And, you know, I, I think about the story about the prodigal son. I wasn't the son that went off and went crazy. I'm the one still sitting in the house with the father. Yeah. And if you remember the end of the story, 
he's the one that gets very bitter and angry and, and, and furious because he was always there doing the right thing. Yeah, working. Working and, and doing it. And yet it's like, it's like it wasn't fair. You know, that's, that's really kind of what he was thinking. I guess it was more than that. And he became very angry. And basically, you know, in that story, it's kind of like the father, which is God saying, basically, what is your problem? You've always been with me. You always have everything. And so I actually found as time went on, I began to realize that was me. And so for me, it was a great learning experience that, um, I had to learn some things. And one of those big things was forgiveness. Um, there's, a, there's some scriptures that, you know, the woman who was known as the sinful woman that broke the jar of the perfumes and all over Jesus, over his feet, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Pharisee and all these other, were, they were complaining like, look at what she's done. Are you kidding me? She's a sinful woman that's, you know, and basically the point Jesus made, you know, one who's been forgiven much loves much. But those who've been forgiven little love yeah. little. And I began to realize forgiven little. There's more to that, obviously, but I began to realize that I wasn't loving very much and I didn't understand what forgiveness was. I remember this was after I'd gotten married. Man, our, our family came together, wound up having two daughters that I never knew. And, you know, as one of them, the oldest one calls me her bonus dad. And um, they call me Papa. Um, it, it's like I have four kids, and and it's it's amazing what took place, how God blended a family together that had a lot of hurts, and and I began to be, you know, not you don't replace the other spouse or the other father, you become the father that they need. You 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 know what kind of dad do you need to be? My I'm not to take the other dad's place, and Vicky never took the place of my kids. You know, mom, and that meshed together. So all these things, wonderful things, happen. But one of the hardest times is I get a phone call one day from a voice I knew, and it was my first wife, and she was crying. And for a long time, I had some people telling me you need to pray for justice. Okay. Yeah. You know what that means? That means revenge. It wasn't justice. It was revenge. And, um, you know, payback time, you know, because you didn't do anything, Tom. You, you really didn't. You didn't deserve all this. There's so much to that story. And I used to really focus on a lot of that. that and doesn't that, the enemy just love oh, that? Oh, gosh. I'm telling you, because I used to spend time and tell my testimony, tell everything that she would she did. Yeah. And here's I'm a like, can of worms, Tom, and here's the fork. I've yeah, opened the can for yeah, you. Yeah. Eat up. Eat up. And uh, you eat them, and you're, like, enjoying them. And um, so what did happen to me was I um, – she called, and she said her – she was her – fir- her second marriage had fallen apart. She'd been in an abusive situation, and, and it was it was awful. And she called me up and she said, listen, I can't go on. I need to ask for your forgiveness. Wow. And I'm going to tell you something. It, you know, inside of me, I want to go, nah, nah, nah. You know, you just, you're like, there's a part of you that, that just wants to say you get what you deserve. You know? Um, I don't care. But all of a sudden, I felt like, 
you know, God kind of stepped in and in my shoes and my mouth opened. And I had told her she was forgiven before that, I think two, three years before that. And I got a bunch of cuss words back. And I remember that. It was just really. But she had also gone through cancer. She'd gone through so many things. And I remember the thing that came out of my mouth was just like God stepped in and said, you know, I've already forgiven you. And I said, you know, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And I said, you're totally forgiven. And, you know, that made a huge change. What was interesting is my wife, Vicki, now invited her over to start come staying over. At that time, my daughter had moved in who wanted nothing to do with her mother at that time. And um, she said, you know what? We need to have her to restore, restore that relationship with the kids. And uh, we'll let her come here and stay here on the weekends. I'm like, do what? Okay, wait, wait. My new wife wants my old wife to come stay at our house on the weekends. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I didn't say that, but that was going on in my head. And it was her idea. But what happened was she would come. And she began seeing how our relationship was with my wife, Vicki, and the kids. And um, it, was, it was kind of an amazing thing. And Vicki became very close with her. Even to this day, they're close. And that became a healing thing. But for me, I started studying this word and this thing called forgiveness. I thought I really knew, and I didn't. And I remember reading one day in the Lord's Prayer, it talks about, you know, we know, you know, forgive those who, you know, sin against us. Da, da, da. We know that part. The verse after the Lord's Prayer, there in Matthew, I think it is, it says, it says, the way you forgive others is the same way your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive them, he's going to forgive you. I mean, that's yeah. the principle behind that that verse there. I started looking in that. I, thought it th- I started realizing I had been holding this unforgiveness toward my ex-wife and I had to totally forgive her. That means someone who says they don't want you, they leave you, they do legal things against you, you're left alone, you're brokenhearted, everything that had happened, I had to let that go and forgive her. And I, let her into your home. Oh, totally, yes. Your intimate space. Yes, and with my new wife. Um, you know, go figure, that's nuts. But no, that's what, happen and that's what God required and that's what it's really interesting these things happen without me um trying to make them happen it's like it was just happening and I learned so much from that but I had to let that go and and I remember hearing people you know even now that will say well I can't forgive that person I can't mm-hmm. and you know sometimes people don't respond I'm telling you because I I got stories about her not responding people can yell back at you and curse you and cuss you and things you have to let it go and you have to forgive it. If you don't do that in your own heart, uh, there's a little thing, you know, it's it's basically there's a, a command in Scripture that really means now a lot to me. It's taking God's name in vain. Mm. If you can't forgive, how can you claim to be his? So yeah. you take his name in vain. That That went through me, and that's what I learned out of this more than anything else. It wasn't so much working through my pain. There was so much there, and there's so much that I learned through that. But I had to learn how to forgive because I was the other son in the prodigal story. Mm. And, you know, I think some of us find ourselves that way. 
And uh, God had to teach me what grace really was and what forgiveness really was. And that revolutionized, I think, my life. So was it all worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. I can honestly and, tell and, you, you know, that. It's, it's really interesting, Tom. I mean, that it's a huge topic, forgiveness, and, and, you know, it is a lot more complicated sometimes than what people give it credit for, but it's also just as simple. I remember um, when I was writing my book, Every Heart's Cry, and there's a whole chapter in there on forgiveness, and something that you're expressing right now in what you've just said aligns perfectly with it. Um, the Holy Spirit showed me that, you know, in the Bible, we hear of this Greek word anti, which means against or more correctly in place of. Mm-hmm. So when we put those words together, anti-Christ, anything that's against or in place of Christ. So when the very thing that Jesus came here to do was to reconcile us to God and to each other, if we refuse to forgive, if we refuse to do the very thing that Christ came here to do, we actually undermine Jesus himself. And in that sense, we become anti-Christ against or in place of Christ because we're putting our pain ahead of who he is and, and what he came to do and and his power to be able to do that because we sure as heck won't be <laughs> no. dealing with uh, unforgiveness in heaven. No. And, you, you know, and he loves us so much. I mean, yeah. how, how much better do you feel being on the other side of forgiveness oh, wow. than holding that pain and that bitterness? My gosh, it's so damaging physically and emotionally and relationally. You know, that that is what you're saying and what you're talking about and what you wrote. That is, it is so true. And it's funny because I, I just live that. I understand that. And it is so, even though we think we're righteous or self-righteous in, in our thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. Um, she did this. She did that. That is so anti-Christ. It's unbelievable, that thinking and that yeah. that attitude. And, um, you know, it's, it's taken years for me to recover, I think, you know, f- from depression and other things that, that go with it. But a lot of those things are, again, some things that God has had to teach me. Who do you really trust? Your circumstances, the things around you, um, your wallet, you know, how much you make and who you are, or do you trust me, even in these situations? And uh, I, that's something I had to learn. And, and I'm still, you know, you, I'm still learning, which I'm glad. I don't want to ever stop learning. But, um, you know, Scripture says God disciplines those he loves. He doesn't punish. The word is discipline. And so the thing is, is I really realized that, that he loves me very much. Mm. And part of that discipline sometimes is allowing me to go through circumstances I never imagined. And, um, you know, we can't control what other people do to us, but we can control our reactions toward them. And that is something that's an ongoing learning process. But um, no matter how deep the hurt is, you have to let it go. Mm. You have to forgive. Um says, while we were yet still sinners, we were an offense. Christ died for us. So you think about that, those are powerful. They're not just words in Scripture. They're not just theological thoughts. They're, they're deep. They're very deep. Uh, he made a way. He made a way for us. So we have to do the same for others. And it doesn't mean that we will necessarily get anything back. 
That's the other question. Are you willing to forgive and not have it reciprocal? Um, you know, you're willing to let it go. But, you know, that's been an amazing, that's been an amazing journey. That's, that's mm. the big thing that I can say right now. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, you know, when we really get to a place of healing, we realize that God loves the person that's hurt or offended us or sinned against us just as much. And it's really interesting when you watch the way Jesus deals with with sin and, and unfaithfulness, like, you know, even the woman in adultery, if you really mm-hmm. look hard at that story, the concluding fact is that Jesus was the only person that had the right to stone the woman in adultery and didn't. Right. And yet he he didn't condone what she did, but he also didn't condemn her. He came to her in love and truth and and with compassion. And uh, and when we I think when we come out the other side and we're we're able to deal with people on that level, that's when we know we've done some deep healing. Very and you've true. been able to do that, Tom. I mean, what a beautiful story. I mean, what a beautiful part um, that Vicky's played in that. My goodness. <laughs> oh, I mean, she's done a, so much what more. What an angel. Oh, my goodness. She's done so much more. And I learned this from, I learned a lot of these things from her. She's the giver. Um, she's the forgiver. Um, I used to think I was, but I'm not. She is. She's those all those things. And so it's kind of like an amazing partnership where, you know, she has those those qualities I don't. And that's what I really appreciate. I mean, every detail, every detail uh, of her, and and there's there's more to that story too with her. And um, she tells the story better than I do about all oh. how we met and and the things that took place. But um, Vicky might be the next podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She'd be good. She's good. She can really <laughs> say it. So she's a hoot too. So it's it's funny. Thank you so much for sharing today. Uh, thanks so much, Danny. Thank you for joining us for another Brave Conversation. If you resonate with what we just talked about and are looking for some additional resources, we encourage you to visit braveenough.org. Until next time, I'm Tom Mann. And I'm Danny Sinnott.